talking all things pinball and arcade across New Zealand and beyond. You are listening to Simon's Pinball Podcast. Hello and welcome. This is Simon's Pinball Podcast. I live in Wellington, New Zealand, and this is episode 15. You may have noticed that I have some original intro music now. So, uh, no longer ripping off The Who and Rod Stewart. Um, Credit to my friend Jeremiah Ross, who put that uh, melody together and played all the instrumentation on that jingle. I'm very pleased with it, and I'm also sporting some new recording equipment. So I am trying to get a little bit more slick with my delivery of the podcast. I hope um, you will enjoy the conversations, and I'm going to set about a new series of interviews. It's been exactly one year since I published my last one. I thought it is high time that I reboot the program. Um, We're going to talk to Hamish Guthrie today, who in my hometown here in Wellington, has opened an arcade, a solely, solely a pinball arcade, and we're going to peel the layers of the onion as he talks in quite a bit of detail about his inspiration for the arcade and what he may have learnt over the course of the one year he has been open. This podcast is launching on the first birthday of Ye Olde Pinball Shop, um, so yeah, it's quite a thing. We're really ex- excited. Um, it's a collaboration between myself and Hamish, and also Ashley Burke is the young fellow who works behind the counter there. You will probably see if you came in to visit, and uh, my friend Jeremy Tuckach, who also provides some technical support. Um, as you can imagine, with 23 or so pinball machines being played every day, they do break down. So yeah, Amish is going to talk us through um, some of the nuances of the arcade. So thank you for coming to the podcast, and I hope you enjoy. So I'm here with Hamish Guthrie at Ye Old Pinball Shop in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, really lucky that uh, Hamish has agreed to talk to me because I know he's been really busy with the school holidays. It's a Sunday night and we're in the arcade um, staying a little bit late to to chat about all things pinball. How are you, Hamish? Um, pretty good. <laughs> have you, you must have been working hard over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been a long few months actually. Yeah. Right up to Christmas, we were busy with lots of corporate gigs and uh, obviously school holidays, trying to open as, as long as possible, as long as people are in town, so making the most of it while I can. And we're coming up to the first uh, anniversary, the first birthday of Ye Olde Pinball Shop, so we'll get on to that in a few minutes, but first of all, I think we should just backpedal maybe and, and l- learn a little bit about your history with pinball, um, so what's your what's your earliest memory of pinball? Um, New Plymouth, uh, as a kid, um, I can't remember what game it was, but I do remember that uh, wandered into an arcade with my mum, and um, we put a she put a two dollar coin or a fifty cent coin probably back in those days, and we had no idea what was happening. Nothing happened when we put the coin in. 
which we see very often these days. People put a coin in and don't know what to do. Yeah. So uh, the very helpful arcade attendant was able to show us after we put another coin in. I hit that flashing light on the front, then pull the plunger back, then hit the buttons on the side, and, and it was what all up there from there. What era machine was that? That would have been, oh gosh, I really don't recall actually. It was probably sort of 80s era machine. I would have been maybe 10 or so at the time. So yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, Gosh, like 35 years ago. <laughs> I suddenly feel very old. And, and so that was when you were a youngster, and at some point you, you bought a machine, um, and, and then you, well, you got into the hobby a little bit more seriously. How did that, how yeah. did that come about? Um, I played a lot more when I was at university, and um, I found it a great distraction from, uh, from my studies. So I spent far too much time at eFans on Queen Street in Auckland and uh, became very familiar with the, the pinball there. really love the pinball over arcades because you can see what's going on and you can understand everything at a glance, whereas with uh, a lot of arcade games, if you're unfamiliar with it, you're really just going to be wasting a lot of money as you learn the game and, and, and thought, well, yeah, there's more interesting stuff and more physics and, and yeah, just generally a, more of a... Uh, an interesting world under glass with, with pinball. Um, then when I moved to Wellington, um, the, there was a, um, a bit of a developing um, pinball scene in terms of competitions and uh, thought, well, actually I can I see all these other people with pinball games in their homes. That wasn't really something I thought was a thing. But uh, I realised, oh, yes, there is actually a, a market for, for second-hand games. And if I look on somewhere like Trade Me. I started discovering, oh, well, there are people selling games for, for not a huge amount of money. I, I could actually afford one of these. Yeah. And so uh, I think I spent maybe $1,500 on a, on a um, Gottlieb Gladiators and uh, had it shipped down from um, some bar up in Northland. And, um, yeah, proceeded to sort of learn the basics of, of being a pinball owner from there. And um, it's been, yeah, it's, it's really grown ever since. Um, it is an addiction, and once you get one, it's, it's like rabbits. They, they tend to breed. I understand now why you love Gladiators, because <laughs> it was your first baby, exactly. your first pinball. Um, I was going to talk about Gladiators, because you're currently you're stripping it down, aren't you? You're doing a major refurbishment. I, well, currently is probably not the right term. I, I stripped it down back at uh, the beginning of the COVID lockdowns. Right. I thinking, oh, well, I have an opportunity to, to spend a lot of time at home, and I can kind of work my way through this. And uh, I'd been reading a, um, a, a very detailed thread on Pinside um, about uh, playfield restoration, and sort of got really involved and in, in, in deep into reading up on that and thought, well, actually, all these steps that, that they're discussing, one, individually, they're all things that I could probably achieve myself. Um, and it's sort of something that I'd, I'd love to be able to do is to, to be able to you know, restore old games and, and get them up and running and, and you know, make them as, as good as new again. And thought, well, something like Gladiators, it's not a particularly special game. And if I were to screw things up majorly, then... Hey, it's no great loss if it's just gladiators. Um, so yeah, I'd stripped it down and um, take the playfield out and um, removed everything from from both sides of it and sort of taking a, an immense number of photographs as I go and everything in little baggies and all labelled, all set aside in boxes at home. And uh, my next sort of steps would be to to start uh, working on um, um, learning to to airbrush paint. And, and actually restore the, the, the paintwork on them and do, um, do clear coats and all that sort of stuff. 
and then eventually reassemble it all and, and get it up and running again. But uh, so we've got to the, the stage of stripping everything down, putting everything in little bags and boxes, and uh, I really cleaned the playfield and um, cleaned up the paint and put just a, a bit of a, a, um, a mist layer of um, clear over the top, just from a, a can, not, not the proper two-part stuff that uh, is properly recommended. But um, yeah, it's at the point now where if, uh, if and when I get the time to focus on it, um, I'll be able to start cutting out um, mylar templates and, and, and actually make a, a start on, on, on spraying it. But uh, it's sort of been stuck at the, the back of the to-do list for <laughs> quite a long time, seeing as the COVID lockdown was, what, two years ago? Or yeah, we'll talk about COVID At least a lifetime a ago, yeah. Um, you're, only, you're the only person I know with the gladiators, though. Actually, mm. those, those system, are they System 3? System 3, yes. They, 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 they're very robust, and yeah. um, a lot of operators loved them because they didn't break down very often, but um, they were seldom seen in collections. Um, maybe they're just the playability of them was a little bit kind of more clunky than a Williams Valley. Yeah, and the, one of the key things, well, one of the things I'd hoped to to achieve by having a game at home was to, really to develop my flipper skills and and learn skills that I can then uh, apply to to other games. But um, yeah, with, with the the Gladiators and probably a lot of the other System Threes, they, they don't have normal slings. They have these kind of um, Powered, um, what would you the call targets, aren't they? The, the targets, yeah, but they, like, they kick back. They kick back and kicking back targets, yes. So the, the the behavior of the ball is very different to what you get with normal slings, and so in that regard, it wasn't really a good choice for me to to develop my skills on because the, the flipper skills you learn on, on gladiators. I've got a Sega a Sega game from Japan, an EM, which is a similar mm -hmm. system with, right. with kicking um, targets on the slings. Maybe that I should get that as well. <laughs> so your collection didn't stop at Gladiators. You bought a game. You bought a game or two after that, didn't you? That's right. Yes. Um, what was the next game? I think Twilight Zone might have been the next game that I bought after that because it was always been a Grail pin for you know as so many others um, share that that same aspiration to, to own a Twilight Zone. And um, there were none available in the country that I was aware of. Um, the nearest ones that I could find, there were, there were a couple in Australia that, uh, that were available on, on some of the Australian um, trade me equivalent sort of auction sites. Um, but looking at the price of those, plus the cost of shipping it, it was you know, going to be, be a very costly exercise. But um, yeah, when one finally did come up for sale, thankfully locally in Wellington, I sort of looked at the price that I would be playing for the equivalent in, in Australia and realised, well, okay, if I translated that into New Zealand dollars, we work out about this sort of figure, it seemed like a, a sort of a fair price to it, ask for it. It was a funny, I remember the, I remember the sale, and um, there, there are a lot of Twilight Zones around, but people tend to hang on to them mm. because they're such a collectible machine. And it was funny because there's a bit of a trend with the, um, the home sales market where people are doing these Dutch auctions and people will say, oh, you give me your best offer and then just sit back and wait for all the offers to come in. And often the seller will say to one person, well, the last guy offered me this much, you're going to have to top that. And it will just kind of domino effect along. And I remember when you bought your Twilight Zone and it was 12500 and we all said, 
oh, that home issue just set a new precedent. <laughs> now, everybody. <laughs> now Twilight Zones are worth 12 and a half. Oh my well, God. To be fair, what, has he done? what has he done to us all? To be fair, I paid 12 for the Twilight Zone and I paid 500 for the brand new Color DMD that yeah. had just been installed. Well, in that's so kind of like a thousand dollar investment just with yeah. the Color DMD, isn't exactly. it? No. So I, I actually made a really good, um, good deal on a Color DMD. It was just included in a rather expensive Twilight Zone. Yeah, but, but now, this is the funny thing. Now, in um, hindsight, they've gone up another five grand yeah. or so you know for a good twilight zone so it is kind of funny i'm, I'm laughing about it now but it was it was it, was, it is a funny situation and um then didn't you buy blackwater yeah. you got a blackwater as well yes yeah blackwater 100 that's um it's a really interesting game i, I thought i i kind of like that because the layout is, is so um unusual there's there's so many plastic ramps and and everything is is not what you'd see in a normal a normal game, um, and yeah, it really is kind of the epitome of a, of a world under glass. Um, even in the gameplay and the way it, it launches three balls as a multi ball to begin with, and you just get this absolute chaos, which is you know, a reflection of the, the chaos. And it's the, a it's Dennis the, Nordman game, and he's known for all the the, the, the plastic ramps and the yeah, like white yeah. water with the the cascading waterfall ramp and stuff. And now, it's based on a um, on a real life um, uh, dirt bike race. And the idea is that he wanted to kind of represent that chaos that you get at the beginning of the race, where everybody's just going for it in a mess <laughs> pile of, of bikes, and people are falling off and crashing everywhere. And if you're lucky, then you manage to get through the, the opening stages. And and the game is a bit like that. If you're lucky. You managed to get you know, maybe a, a few shots with the multi-ball going and, and before long at least a couple of balls drain and then you can start just focusing with one ball and, and, and hitting the shots that you need to, to make. But uh, yeah, it's that initial chaos that uh, that appealed to me as, along with the, just the look of the machine. It's so interesting to look at. I must admit I haven't had much time on Blackwater. It reminds me a bit of Motodome. Motodome's mm, got yep. a weird kind of flipper arrangement as well. Yep. Yeah, well, um, I will, um, I'm planning on... on working on, on it at home and then uh, bringing it in here so cool it'll be one that people will be able to play soon that leads us nicely to a question i have for you about you quite you have a fondness for the unusual machines mm. and uh, might, might, that might lead us in nicely to talk about um spooky multimorphic um yeah. the sort of the sort of the outliers of the the mainstream pinball world if you like um so, so can you talk a little bit about um well, what, what your thinking is around those 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 sort of um, small startup enterprise um, pinball manufacturers? Yeah, um, but Spooky, it, it really was the the story behind the company that, that really appealed to me. And, and this this guy has a vision of of you know, starting up a, a pinball manufacturer and getting some interesting titles under his belt pretty quickly. And I thought, well, yeah, I can. I can sort of get behind this, and then having that um, the, the local distribution in New Zealand through through Dave up in Auckland um, supporting it, it's like, well, okay, I can support this manufacturer and, and also support Dave. And uh, yeah, it was the um, what would be the first one I got? Would it be TNA? Big TNA. TNA, yeah. yeah. And, and TNA total, total nuclear annihilation. Yep. And there was just such a highly regarded game for everybody who who discovered it and played it and, and fell in love with it and. You know, the great story behind that of, of you know, um, Scott Donisi bringing it to shows and, and 
people getting really excited about it and then, then getting that offer to, to have it mass produced. It's like so Scott Denisi yeah. is a DJ, a music um, kind of guy, isn't he? A DJ? Yeah. Or industrial um, designer? Yeah, or? DJ. Well, he's a producer because he writes his own music as well as, as mixing. And um, yeah, he's obviously a designer and um, I think he did all the art for it as well. And yeah, it really was a sort of homebrew that uh, turned into a, a new career for him. And it's just a fantastic playing game. The, it's very simple in its um, in its concept, but um, incredibly challenging. And the uh, the excitement just sort of builds and builds, and the music builds, and the flashing lights, and, and the vibrations, and everything. And it just gets more and more exciting. And to have it, especially with uh, you know, a bit of a party, and and get people around it, and get people cheering when you take out the the reactors, is, is you know, something. Quite we, unique. We used it at the Photon Flux. Mm. Um, it was probably its first airing in a public venue down here in Wellington. The Photon nice. Flux um, Back to the Future party, yeah. where we had a kind of an 80s theme and it fitted in really well with that. It was perfect for that, yes. And that was the first um, kind of non stern game that you bought? Yeah, well, I hadn't actually had any sterns. Um, I figured, well, sterns are. So common these days, like yeah, I, I, I sort of at this point I realised yeah I do want to kind of focus on the more interesting, unusual titles that, that people don't normally see, because uh, you know, my hope is that there'll be a lot of venues that that have the other common games around. So if I wanted to play one of those, I can you know, find somewhere in Wellington to play them. But um, yeah, being able to have them have the more interesting games at home was uh, was quite uh, quite appealing. That was probably, I mean, I've known you from the um, circuit of going to the, what we call the mini-meets in Wellington and also the, the Auckland and Christchurch mm. meets in Pincade. Um, but then when you did have the TNA and I was operating at Boneface and I thought, hey, this is a good opportunity if you're happy to put your TNA in the lineup, and that was your, foot, your sort of um, first step into the world of operating. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, really is something that I was totally dependent on you for support and advice and, and, and guidance on that but um, I'm very glad I did it. It worked out well eh? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then you, you followed it up with Alice Cooper? Yes, so that was uh, another title from Spooky that uh, again I'm, I, I went for that really for the layout and, and the, the characteristics of the game over the theme. Um, I'm not a huge Alice Cooper fan but uh, just the way that um, the this world under glass was was made around you know, the theme of the songs, it's, uh, you know, it's just thought it was so cleverly designed and made sense. To it was a big hit with title. the Boneface crew because they remember they had that tattoo festival. Yes, and I brought in all the Bogan games. We yeah. got your Alice Cooper there. We had Iron Maiden there. I ro roped in uh, Furios's Metallica. Yeah, um, we, had the we had the ACDC. Uh, I think they were the main. They were the main four kind of Bogan yeah. rock titles that were a real hit. Um, Alice Cooper and then after that uh, Rick and Morty? Yep and that was an instant buy. It's like yeah you know, dream theme and as soon as I heard that that was what was the theme I was emailing Dave and said yep put me down for that straight away. You know, <laughs> sight unseen months and months out from production yeah just based on the theme alone. I find it a hard game. I always get killed on Rick and Morty. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> um, I don't think I've gotten more than about uh, seven missions completed in, in Rick and Morty, seven adventures. It's, yeah, but it's, um, yeah, just again, a really clever um, game with great call-outs. I think the humour in it is, is absolutely fantastic. 
And, it's um, a big draw for people who are maybe not into pinball, but they yeah. know the they know the the theme exactly. Yeah, the animation. And do you want to step into the P three um, kind of yeah. relationship? Yeah, P three was very much the uh, the fault of um, of BJ, uh, um, who is one of the um, programmers involved in the platform, and he is based in Auckland, and at one of the pincades um, several years ago. Um, I ended up chatting to him for, I probably talked to Zero for a couple of hours one night and he kind of explained the whole concept behind it and and everything it can do and sort of every question I came up with he said yeah it can do that and this is how it does it and I was just absolutely enamoured with, with the idea of, of this uh, this expandable pinball platform that um, just buy one machine and, and have multiple play fields for it but also be able to, you know, if you wanted to write your own software for it and, and design hardware for it and, and I realized well actually this is something that um, can appeal to to the home buyer who's probably not so familiar with pinball um, in that it's it's a way to have a collection of pinball games without needing the space for a whole lineup and you know, Wellington as it is is a very you know, compact city and there's not a lot of space uh, to, to build big houses typically and so we don't tend to have big basements and, and, and big game rooms um, so something like this I realised well yeah I could have one game and, and be able to have multiple play fields in it and at this time um, I was working at, uh, at a hi-fi shop um, called Soundline Audio and we were doing lots of you know, beautiful home theatre systems and, and music systems throughout the home and, and home automation and that sort of thing and pinball was kind of a natural fit in, in that regard for the customers who were spending big money on you know, big projection home theatre. It would kind of make sense to also offer them something like a pinball machine to, uh, to go in that, into that space. And uh, that's where I actually made my first sale of uh, P3. So I had the P3 sitting in the, uh, in the Soundline showroom for um, probably about a year or so. And um, had uh, Lexi Lightspeed. That, that I got it with, but also got um, Cannon Lagoon and um, the uh, Heist. Uh, Heist came later. Right. Um, Cosmic Kart Racing oh, was yes. the other one that I had there, and so be able to demonstrate to to customers coming in you know, who are most part looking at hi-fi or, or just sort of tire kicking a bit of, of home theater stuff and, and seeing a pinball machine there and then realizing well there's a bit of unusual pinball machine and there's a whole story behind that and it's a good way to sort of engage with customers and and get them talking about you know, what they wanted to do in, in their home in, for the entertainment side of things and then from there uh, talk to them about hi-fi and, and tvs and home theater and all the other stuff that we did but the uh, the pinball was kind of a nice way to to attract them and, and get the conversation started and uh, yeah, one of our larger customers realised, well, yeah, we've got Christmas coming up. Um, we better get one of these ordered because it'll be a great present for the kids. Like, awesome! Yeah. <laughs> first sale, yes, tick. <laughs> and uh, it's um, yeah, it was uh, actually really successful. So you secured the distributorship for New Zealand. That's um, right. So I um, at the time I didn't have that distributorship. I just uh, contacted the the manufacturer and explained the situation and. They were able to um, give me a, a reasonably good price on, on a new machine, and that one was with Heist. So Heist had, uh, had just come out. So I bought the Heist. Actually, I bought the the new P3 with Heist for this customer, and then bought another Heist playfield for myself. 
and um, yeah, he absolutely loves it. His kids absolutely love it. So it was a, a very successful sale. And that um, helped you deliver it that it's heavy. Yeah, <laughs> but you can take lots of parts out of it to make it lighter, <laughs> so it, it makes it easy to move around. No, well, it's interesting because it's got that. It's a hybrid of a mechanical pinball and a virtual pinball. And I see a lot of people on the Facebook groups talking about building virtual pinballs, which have never interested me. Mm. Um, but I do love the mechanical elements of the P3 platform. Um, yeah. It has also got the screen, um, the, the simulated, the virtual. Um, no, we really say it. it's virtual in that regard. It's really just taking advantage of, of computer graphics True. for the, the playfield art yeah. and, and done in such a way that the, the ball can roll over what is essentially just a standard computer screen but still have other mechanics suspended over the top of it. Plus it tracks the position of the ball as it does it and so now you can actually interact with these graphics that are on the screen so in that regard, it does add another element to pinball that you don't see in other games. The, the, the idea of having, you know, being virtual, that's really the virtual targets. That, yeah, that yeah. No, no, thanks for correcting me on that. Because um, I guess when you look at it, you think, oh, um, it's, it's, well, the, the hybrid nature is very different to, to traditional pinball, what we see. But the, it's really ingenious how they've managed to suspend the flippers over the screen. Yeah, no, that's a... Absolutely um, key realization once I sort of understood what they're doing and, and how they did it, and, and uh, sort of seen some of the other concept art that have been around for things like pop bumpers that are suspended over it and, and ramps and that kind of stuff. And you know, hopefully, we'll, we'll start to see some of those in, in future games. Um, but yeah, it's also um, the, when I've spoken to, to, to BJ and, and, and later directly to, to Jerry, the, the, the owner, um, he kind of convinced me through, uh, through understanding of the, the open nature of, of the platform and that you can download an SDK and, and write your own game software for it using Unity or you could download the 3D plans and build your own hardware to, to clip into it and, and literally make your own um, um, homebrew game but all of the hard work is already done. You've already got the cabinet, you've already got the mechanisms and the, and the basic platform and you can just add the other cool programming stuff on top of it. Um, so, yeah, one day I'd love to actually sit down and, and, and start developing some ideas and, and uh, you know, got a few ideas on how to take um, you know, various music titles and, and turn them into um, something on the P3. And But, uh, yeah, I was kind of distracted by other projects before I could really get, get yeah, stuck into it. Yeah, understandable. We're going to talk about that right now, actually. So... Uh, it must have been about this time that you were contemplating opening, opening an arcade. That's right. So when I made that um, first sale, I realised, well, I need to actually start a, a, a proper company to do this. And so um, I, uh, I registered the, the company name, The Old Pinball Shop. The idea being that, um, as we all know, Back in the olden days, in, in you know, little villages in, in England, every little village had a little corner pinball shop, just <laughs> as they had, you know, the old um, barber or the, the um, mason or, yeah, it's the old cheesemonger. And so... They've taken our pinball machine <laughs> to call out on medieval madness. And so I love the, the idea of, of you know, friends talking about what they've been up to and say, oh, did, did you play that new game down at the old pinball shop? as naturally as one would talk about the old, <laughs> the old hairdresser or, or any other sort of shop. It's like, 
yeah, okay, sort of take that the concept and, and actually lean into the, the ridiculousness of it. And it's sort of something that uh, would not be out of place in a, in a Monty Python skit or, or maybe a, um, a, a um, Harry Potter movie or something like that. It was odd old chap in a pinball shop <laughs> retailing pinball machines like yeah I, I could see myself do that at my old age so i registered this company ye oldie pinball shoppy again leaning into the ridiculous nature of of this sort of um f- uh, faux pigeon english yeah, <laughs> sort of yeah. naming convention and um yeah it's it's kind of worked out well it's um it's, a, it's sort of a, a yeah leaning into the, the the silliness of it is i think um People tend to sort of take a, a second or two to, to think, what is this guy doing? This, 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 how ridiculous is it that they have a, a shop selling pinball machines? And like, yes, that's exactly what we do. It's also an arcade, and, and you know, 99.9% of us just put coins in and, and play it like an arcade, but we do make a few sales as well. So yes, we, we can say that we are a, a pinball shop. So you set about looking for a location. How was that for you? Um, I originally looked at something very close to home. I wanted to be able to just have something I could just you know, wander down from, from home and, and have something local. And It's up in Brooklyn. Yeah, up in Brooklyn. And um, so Brooklyn and Wellington is, is at the top of a hill and it's a nice little shopping community there. There was this uh, beautiful old building that was um, a little second-hand shop and this little kooky place with lots of different rooms and different levels and... and I could imagine, yeah, filling that with with pinball machines and, and just the nature of it was uh, lots of different rooms and, and ways to, to sort of separate the the games and, and have uh, you know a bit of a lounge space and a bit of a retail space and then lots of rooms with um, with full of machines. We even went to the lengths of doing sound tests. Yeah, that's we, right. We, you put four machines in there and and you cranked up the volume on them. And <laughs> the, the downside with that that um, location is that um, on the floor above were uh, two or maybe three um, residential apartments. And um, I very quickly realized that yeah, no, there's, there's just far too much noise coming up through the floor in this old building. And it would it was starting to get quite impractical to think of how I could try and soundproof um, a noisy arcade right below somebody's bedroom. It's like, ah, okay, so this is unfortunately not going to work. So I'd gotten to the point of, of you know, getting close to, to actually signing a lease and, and things like that and, and still trying to figure out how, how can I make this work and realise, well, actually, it's not going to work and I have to hold back on this and um, and, and, and rethink everything. And so, uh, yeah, it I ended up... COVID was hitting about that time as well, um, wasn't it? Was it pre-COVID? It was pre-COVID. Uh, mm. this, so this was really more to do with the, the venue just, just wasn't going to be suitable. And right. um, when I'd lived in Auckland previously, I lived in an apartment there next to a, a, a quite a noisy neighbour who was quite inconsiderate with you know, the, the way he would play music early in the morning or late at night and, and quite loud when he, he comes and goes. And I realised, well, I don't want to inflict anything like that upon other people because I know how horrible it is to, to try and live next to, to a noisy noisy person like that. So um, yeah, it was really out of concern for, um, for what would have been my neighbours that I realised, no, this is not the, the way to do it. Um, just hold back, keep the, the pinball machines at home and, and you know, keep one or two of them at Soundline for, just to generate interest from the public, but uh, hold off on the idea of an arcade for, for a little bit longer. But um, 
yeah, eventually um, I was at a point where some early investments I had made it had worked out really well, and so I sort of had the funds to to um, leave my um, my full time job at, at Soundline and and really focus on on doing this properly. And so I started looking for another location and um, looked at a few places around town. Um, again, there was a, a, another place that, that could have worked out very well, but uh, unfortunately, once again, they had retail apartments above. It was a better construction building, it was you know, concrete um, um, ceilings and, and things like that. And so it was nowhere near as bad as the, the old rickety wooden building in Brooklyn. But um, again, after running some sound tests just with speakers turned up loud downstairs, I realized, uh, we're going to be really running to the same issue and um, my ideas for trying to soundproof that, that space below was, was going to be quite impractical. Um, there are some really effective soundproofing um, products and technologies that, that I have had experience using in our home theatre construction. Um, so when you're building a home theatre and sometimes there might be a, one case it was a child's bedroom right above, um, we had to go to quite great lengths to to soundproof it as much as possible and so through that I'd, I'd really learnt the uh, the fine art of, of soundproofing and um, it was whilst it might have been possible it was going to gobble up so much of the budget just to try and um, um, counter that noise that uh, I realized oh, this is again not the right place to do it um, the um, leasing agent that um, I was working with had suggested this other place on, on Bond Street in the middle of the CBD and I thought, oh, that's not really what I wanted to do. It's not a little bit too much in the CBD and it's not really the sort of character sort of place that I wanted. But um, he, he suggested it you know, a couple of times and, and uh, I eventually said, oh, okay, well, it wouldn't hurt to look. Let's have a look at this place. And... Um, Realise that okay, there is actually a lot going for it. It's it's, it's full concrete construction, um, which does a lot to to reduce um, noise transmission. Um, there's no residents. You know, there's no, um, no nobody, no apartments um, adjoining. And upstairs is, is a bar. On the other side is a bar. On on one side is a um, a nail salon, and it's really just one. Um, adjoining wall which was uh, a normal sort of jib construction wall that uh, I'd have to soundproof so it's like yeah okay soundproofing one wall is, is much more practical than soundproofing a ceiling and, and three or four walls and so I realized yeah I could I could actually make a go of this and uh, yeah it worked out surprisingly well um, the the soundproofing was quite a big chunk of, of the initial um, fit out budget and there are many layers of, of jib of, of different densities and, and soundproofing compounds between those layers of jib. And, um, you know, and it's worked? It's worked well? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, early on, though, I realized that uh, in spite of all the, the additions I was making to the wall surfaces, um, there was still a lot of sound coming through. And it turned out that the, um, the building had been earthquake-strengthened um, a couple of years prior, and that involved installing massive steel cross beams across the ceiling that extend through to the, the adjoining um, uh, shop next door. 
and when they had built that, they had not actually sealed the, um, the holes between the, the shops at all. And so I was doing all this work on, on, on treating the wall, not realizing that all the sound was just going above the wall through these massive great big holes where the, uh, the steelwork was going through. And so after um, copious amounts of uh, expanding builders' foam and, <laughs> and all sorts of <laughs> no. other treatments, things like that, we managed to actually Space seal up all those. To the rescue. Exactly, yes, yes. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad that um, you know, I could be working in here and, and very clearly hear the, the, the terrible radio, tinny radio that was playing in the shop next door. I was like, <laughs> no, this is not working. What, what's going on here? It's really, oh, okay. Here's a great big hole where I can see daylight coming through. Ah, okay. Seal those up and... and Overnight, it made a huge difference. Oh, excellent! And um, but even in the end, it was still just this really just a bare concrete long room and lots. And of you've carpeted and... that wall; it looks really attractive. Yeah, with the yeah. carpet. So I've got uh, cheap um, garage carpet that's supplied on the walls, and it's kind of loosely attached, and so the, the, the carpet itself will actually allow, is allowed to vibrate a bit and absorb some of that uh, acoustic energy, turn that into vibration. And um, it also makes a, a great surface to uh, stick things on with Velcro. You could do a lot with Velcro onto carpet walls, it turns out. Um, but it also gives us a nice sort of dark um, background to, uh, to, to highlight other things that are hung on the walls, which in this case is a, a rather extraordinary number of, 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 computer, of um, monitors. So they're not TVs, they're, they're um, professional 50 and, and 42 inch display monitors. Um, the folks at Sony had a, a very good payday that day, but yeah, I've, I've fitted this place out with something like 35 screens of various sizes. Wow. Um, the idea being that above each game is a camera looking straight down on the playfield, and that gives a live feed onto a, a screen that's mounted above the, the back box on each game. The idea being that people can, can stand back and, and see what's going on and not have to crowd around the player. And I stole that idea straight from, uh, I think it's maybe area, oh, it's one of the big arcades yeah, in the States. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll let this out, bit out so it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I've seen photos of, of American um, barcades and they've got mm. screens, but I haven't seen one with as many as you have, I don't think. I kind of went overboard because I just applied that principle to every single game. Um, and there's 23 machines? 22 in here at the moment, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. And it's I could cram a lot more in here, to be honest. Um, I've got almost a game's width between each machine. And um, at the time that, uh, that we were opening, it was in the, the, the depths of, of, of COVID madness. And uh, one of the, the important things that people were trying to do then was this idea of, of social distancing, you know, keeping a, a meter or so between people is... You know, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're, you're queuing up to stick into your local supermarket or, in this case, um, playing pinball in an arcade. But uh, conveniently, the space in between the games actually lent itself to that very, very nicely. But it also gives me room between the games to have additional screens. And so I've, I've almost doubled up the number of screens. In addition to having uh, screens above each game, every other game has a, um, another screen between them. And I'm using those um, for digital signage, um, but also the, uh, introducing some other cool features onto these screens as well. Um, and that is really tying in with um, the, the nature of the, the cameras that I installed have both HDMI and 
IP connectivity, and so they're all on the computer network, they're all wired into, into big um, high-capacity network switches, and I can run the feed from any camera into a computer, and very easily from there, stream it out onto services like Twitch or YouTube or Facebook Live or anything like that. So now I have the ability to, to pick up the, the, the camera view from, uh, from any game, and that gives me a, a really high quality um, play field view, but uh, that in itself is not really enough. You also need to see what's happening on, 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 the, on the DMD or on, on the back box to be able to keep track of the score. And so in addition to all of these cameras above the play fields, I have more cameras that are focused in on the DMDs. And um, if you want to stream, then really it's got to be, a, you've got to bring the personality into it. You've got to engage people. And so we need more cameras that are facing the, the players as well. So, okay, now there's another 22 cameras oh that are all mounted above or below these, these signage screens and they're um, facing the, the player. And so as I'm slowly rolling out the, 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 the software side of these things, um, people will be able to choose to engage these um, cameras that are facing them and also have microphones that can pick up your speech and essentially do a full pinball stream from any of the games in the arcade but without the the big mobile rig that you would normally see with streaming where you're rolling this rig from one game to the other with lots of wires and cables and computers all hanging off it i wanted to have that, that same end result but integrate all of that um all of those cameras and all that mess of wires and technology into the the premises itself so that at first glance it just looks like a, you know, a, a big pinball arcade and it's not until people actually start to really focus on what's going on around them that they realise, oh, there's actually lots of cameras here that well, are doing all sorts of things. I have to point out, it doesn't feel like a major surveillance network. <laughs> you actually don't see the cameras, they're so small mm. and it doesn't feel too intimidating or imposing. Um, but So at the push of a button, you could live stream any one of these 22 exactly. machines. Yes. But then or the, the player pushes the button. It has to be that the player needs to, to opt in to it because, um, and this is, obviously there are huge privacy concerns if you're not realising when you walk into a space like this that you're going to be broadcasting your face on the internet, then um, you know, a lot of people would not be happy with that. And so I've um, gone to great lengths to try and um, give people the ability to control what, what's happening in that regard. And I've only got it working properly on one game so far, um, but now that I've kind of got that hardware figured out, I'll, I'll soon be rolling it out to all the others. But it's um, quite simple to have a, a, a small box magnetically attached to the side of a game, because most of the, the side rails on, on games uh, are ferrous, and so you can attach a magnet to them. And with the, the cheap wireless um, sort of IoT, Internet of Things type of um, development boards you can get these days, your Raspberry Pis or your ESP type boards, it actually becomes a very simple process to add little buttons on each game that can send a wireless signal back to a computer to say, okay, turn on a OBS or a, um, a software configuration that involves other cameras, or if you don't want, if you don't want to broadcast your face, hit the button to turn it off and it just goes to back to a more anonymous stream of just the play field and the back box and, and maybe a, a sort of a wider view of the whole arcade just to give it some, some personality. 
And so my ultimate goal is to have this little magnetic box stuck onto the side of every single game and also incorporate uh, small microphones into that box and so I can get a clear sound from the game's speakers and also have a microphone facing the player so that uh, they can speak naturally and have that picked up on the stream. And that's where the additional screens come in that are sitting between the games. Um, when you press that on-air button, the screen will change from digital signage that might be promoting tournaments or promoting games that are for sale. It will change from that to, in this case, the Twitch stream view, and you'll be able to see yourself you know, delayed by about 15 or 20 seconds or so just through the, the nature of, of the, the Twitch streaming, but uh, you'll clearly see yourself doing stuff on the internet. Um, and Twitch also has that great uh, clip function built in. And so again, it's a very, very simple process to add a second button on this little box that says clip. And if you want to save a, like an instant replay of this amazing death save that you just did or this you know, big multiple jackpot, then you can hit that clip button and it will um, automatically save the last 60 seconds or so as a clip on Twitch. Um, but in order to, to get that out and be able to show off to your friends what you did, you need to be able to see that video. And so when you press that clip button, the system will create the clip or take the URL, the, the address for that brand new clip, turn it into a QR code, and that QR code pops up on the screen right next to you. So you can very easily scan that with your phone and post that to your socials and conveniently it's a way for people to do the advertising for me because it'll be all branded with yachts <laughs> and our address smart. and yeah. it'll have you know maybe a bit of information about the game and if it happens to be a game that you can order new in box then it'll have some pricing information and things like that so yeah it's a way of, of not only um, getting people excited about um, developing their own skills so they can show off to to their friends how, how great this thing they just did was but also to be able to you know, get the word out about the arcade and, and you know, get, uh, yeah, get pinball people... And, all, pinball in general. Pinball in general, yes. Mm. And that's really been the, the, the biggest, um, um, not struggle, but uh, the thing that um, is most common when people come in is, is surprise, obviously, first and foremost. It, well, first and foremost, it, it's... Um, I'm going to steal this term from, from a friend of mine who does lighting design. There's the optic shock. So I walk into a space like this and it's just full of screens and full of pinball machines and the noise and the blinking lights and all the other um, lighting that I've done throughout the whole space is, is really over the top. And so it's, uh, it takes a, a, a while for people to kind of comprehend what they're seeing. Um, but once they do that, then yeah, we really want to be able to to, to build that excitement about pinball because really it is all it is all about pinball. And um, once they kind of get excited about it, quite often the the first question is, how long have you been here? <laughs> you know, as if it's <laughs> almost they're almost offended that they don't know that there's something so cool in Wellington. How how dare they not know that this great place yeah, exists? Yeah. Um, and that's uh, yeah, so that's. Probably one of the most common reactions. The other reactions are, that's so cool, that's sick. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty much um, universally people are, are really, really impressed with what they see. And they often say, look, I'm, I, I'm 
gonna come back and, and bring my friends and, and you know oh, I'm gonna tell my brother or my father about this because he loves pinball or, <laughs> yeah so the word is getting around and I figured hey if I can get lots of streaming action going as well then that's just another way to, to get that word out well what you've done is quite unique in this day and age because pretty much universally that I've seen most arcades are built around a, a brewery kind of venture or a bar a bar venture and the there's a pinball room i mean that's what we've done at boneface and it's kind of an add-on to a hospitality venue <clears throat> but you have <clears throat> you have set up an arcade which is solely an arcade uh how is that working out in terms of it's it's a it's a pinball arcade not a brew bar arcade hmm. um your thoughts around that yeah i want it to be a a, a tournament venue um, I really want to, to push the, 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 um, the competitive side of, of, of pinball because that tends to be what gets people addicted. Um, sure, people will, will enjoy just playing a game and flipping around a bit and, and maybe learn a bit about the game and, and oh yeah, if there are different modes, oh, I can progress through these modes, oh, there's a bit of a storyline to it, oh, there's, there's things I can achieve that get harder and harder and, and just that personal satisfaction of, of getting further into a game. But um, you know, as the saying goes, it, it's more fun to compete. And I really discovered that when, um, when I started going to the, the Wellington meetups and then the, the Pincade, this, this big you know, multi-city tour of, of private pinball collections around New Zealand. And the, the community that um, was involved with this was just full of so many wonderful people and, and so many interesting and wonderful games as well that, that people absolutely love and, and take incredible care of and, and are really proud to show off to their pinball friends and I realized well this is something that so many people could could get engaged with and and, and really fall in love with but it's it's hard for people to to learn what pinball is out there when there's only maybe one or two games in a cafe here and there or maybe a, a bar with you know a lineup of, of three or four games if you're really lucky or in this case we're, we're very lucky in, in wellington to have at, um, at boneface brewery uh, a lineup of, of 10 or so games and that, that's that was certainly quite unique so i realized yeah having a, a space like this or a space like that but something that's promoting um, regular tournaments and, and tournaments that are open to everybody regardless of, of skill level is, is a way to get a lot more people engaged and so that was very much my intention with, with setting up Yops is to have a, a tournament venue to, um, to promote pinball as a, um, a, a skill-based sport that people of all ages and all body types and you know, all skill levels really can, can enjoy and and really start to excel at. I was going to ask you about the the type of player that you get, because you've hit upon both. You've hit upon the kind of the walk-in uh, element of surprise, the person who wouldn't play pinball normally, and you've also talked about the competitive player who wants to get deep into the game. Mm. And so, how does each kind of fit in here? Um, obviously, it's it's really fun. Um, people come and have a lot of fun here. It's really comfortable space. Like when you talk, of people listening probably think, "Oh, it's so overladen with tech that it's not comfortable." It's actually so comfortable. There's, there's beautiful carpets and couches, and it's a very inviting, warm. If it's warm in the winter, cool in the summer. Mm. You've you've put a lot of attention into the um, the the comfort factor. Absolutely, yes. 
Um, I spent an extraordinary amount on air conditioning because it has to be able to handle 50 people crammed in here in the middle of, of a hot summer, um, but it also needs to be able to keep us warm in the winter. And so, yeah, it's, it's the, the environment is, is very much um, focused on, on comfort, um, laying it out more like a, a big lounge or a, you know, a private game room that's open to the public. Um, but even the lighting, um, I've, I've gone to great lengths to, to control how much lighting is reflected off the playfield glass and um, the, the types of, of spotlights that I've got shining at, at very um, obtuse angles onto the, onto the games from the sides rather than from above. And even the, um, just the, the, the background lighting is, um, I've gone for a, very much a sort of a steampunk kind of aesthetic to it. Um, but again, focused on, on what's going to work best for the, the pinball player. Uh, to the extent that I'm not quite at that step yet, but with all the cameras around, it's a fairly natural extension to um, have a bit of AI that's, that's monitoring these cameras and train that AI on what it looks like when somebody is standing in front of a game playing and then actually be able to adjust the lighting automatically based wow. on when it sees somebody walk up to a game and start playing. So there are a couple of spots where you do get a bit of reflection off, off lights in, in some cases, and so I want to have it automatically adjust the lighting to, um, to, to suit. And it also is something that I can then sort of tie in that the same AI can influence the, the streaming side of things. Um, for example, if you, uh, I want to have it set up so that if you walk up and press the, the on-ear button on one game, and it streams your face on the internet and, and you're engaging with, with people on the chat, and then you go to another game, I'd like it to automatically start streaming you and not have to have you press that same button again because it already knows you've given your consent mm, to, sure. to do this online, so let's keep it going. And so that's something I will work on. Um, but it's, yeah, it's very much is, is about comfort here and it's not your typical arcade at all. Um, you know, people walk in here thinking it's an arcade and, oh, is there spaces somewhere or something like that? Mm. No, no, it's all pinball. It's all about the sport as opposed to the, 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 the arcade. Uh, so it's a tournament venue, first and foremost, that, that's designed for people who you know, want to be comfortable if they're spending you know, hours or you know, days at <laughs> big, long tournaments. Um, but at the same time, I want to surprise people as they walk past and, and get that wow factor of, of, you know, this is so bizarre to, to have something like this in the middle of the CBD. But um, no, it's, it's also a lot of um, new customers, are people who have office jobs and who want a, a nice distraction during the lunch hour or, or after work. And um, a large part of um, my customer base are, are people who are, yeah, just coming and started coming in for, for you know, lunchtime distraction and realized, oh, actually, this is a really cool place to hang out. And, oh, you guys rent out the whole place for, for, um, for events. Oh, we could have a, a staff party here. Oh, oh we could do our, our Christmas parties here. Okay, that's cool. We could do birthday parties. Yeah, with all the games on free play. And they get their staff or their other staff members in, in, interested in it or, or their friends for their birthday party and, and grow it that way. Um, but, yeah, very much it is... Um, the, the, the surprise factor is, is very much something I'm going for. Yeah, so you, you can rent out the space, you can, you can put them all the games on free play mm -hmm. and you can bring in your own catering and your own um, beverages. Exactly, yes, yep. And, and you mentioned earlier 
the way that most people would do it is they'd start off with a bar and then you'd add pinball to it. Um, kind of done things in reverse. I, I really just wanted to do pinball first and foremost. And where I am is, is actually, I'm quite lucky in that I have um, two bars on either side, one literally the door next door and uh, the um, couple of doors down and, and above me is, is another um, great bar. And so there's no shortage of, um, of great um, uh, alcohol offerings um, nearby. But uh, you know, it's well understood that um, pinball plus beer equals money. And turns out that, that money is something actually I, I do need to, uh, to spend a bit more. It needs to be sustainable. That's right. And so I can, I can pour my, um, my, my retirement savings into this to get it all set up. But if I actually want to keep paying the rent month on month, I do actually need to have, have a bit more income than um, you know, just, the, just the coin drop. And so we are in the process of, of getting a bar license, and um, that is, uh, you know, has its own challenges, but we're working through them, and my hope is in the next sort of month or so um, we'll be able to, to offer proper beers. At the moment we'd have um, non-alcoholic beers, and that has actually been quite popular with, with some people who, who want to have non-alcoholic options and, and something to do that, that doesn't involve getting drunk. But... Um, it certainly is not my intention to, to be a bar where people come to drink. Um, I realise, though, that in the interest of getting higher pinball scores, many people do benefit by having a beer or two in them just to get into that, that zone, you know, get into that flow state, and their, uh, their pinball performance often will improve after a beer or two. However, after the third or fourth beer, that performance <laughs> drops off very steeply. And so um, the, uh, the intent here will be to, to promote um, very responsible drinking because we're not promoting it as a bar to get drunk at. We're promoting it as a, a pinball venue. And one of the ways that some people can improve their pinball score is to have a little bit of alcohol in their system. Yeah. So and we, people we just like to have a that. drink while they play pinball. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we can certainly do that at the moment. And, you know, the, the, the non-alcoholic beers that we've got are actually quite tasty, but um, it, it doesn't have that same effect of, of helping you get into that flow sure. state. Sure. So, yeah, it, it makes sense to do that. And plus, we can charge quite a big healthy markup on yeah. <laughs> on, on local, uh, local brews, and people are happy to pay a fair amount of money for a can of beer in a, in a venue like this. Um, and so um, um, it makes sense for me to... Uh, to take that money from them and um, yeah, well, put that into the rent. Good luck. Good luck with that. I, th I think it would be a great um, enhancement, you know, of, of yeah. the arcade. Now, just going back to the tournament um, side of things, with your Twitch streaming, I guess you can really open up the the viewer um, capacity for tournaments where people can watch online, and uh, presumably you have, might have some commentary as well. That's right. Yes, so we haven't done a lot with commentary yet. Um, it's something that I. I've not really done before, and so it's something that I need to become more comfortable with myself. And this whole exercise has really has been a yeah. <laughs> this whole project project has been an exercise in uh, um, increasing my my comfort levels and, and expanding the the envelope of what I'm comfortable with. I'm, I'm normally a quite a, a shy, introverted sort of a <laughs> chap, and and so being forced to uh, to engage with the public like this has, has been probably very healthy for, for yeah. me. Um, but yeah, the the commentary side of things is something that um, I would like to work on. 
And there are technical issues that, that I think I've kind of figured out now in terms of, of microphones and, and how we can best achieve that. But um, the, the goal is that um, with, with Twitch, we have um, Pinball Shoppy as sort of the, the main Twitch stream. And in addition to that, we have 22 <laughs> other wow. Twitch accounts mm. at the moment. There's a yops underscore zero one through to yops underscore <laughs> 22. And each of those are specific to each game. And so um, people can essentially subscribe to uh, your, watching one single game and, and watch whoever plays that. But uh, more realistically, we, people would want to subscribe to the, the main pinball shoppy um, feed and we would then be switching from game to game because i was going to say that's a mighty big pipe of of data going out if you're streaming simultaneously that many um oh yeah twitch streams we easily push 110 megabits out if, if we're doing all of it yep and it's sustained i'd run tests where i'd ran for several days and it was reliable and and yeah, not, not laggy the, at all. The ISP is, is all, cool, yeah, is yeah. all um, capable for that? Yeah, so the capacity of the ISP is, is still quite a bit more than what we're using. And so, um, yeah, with the fibre connection we've got here, yeah, I haven't run into any issues with, with bandwidth at all. So that's, wow. that's been a, a, a big relief. Let's talk about the Insider Connected. So we've got, um, this is another interactivity feature that Stern have put onto their modern games. The games with the LCD screens, um, and then you've also introduced Scorbit onto the non-Stern games, the older games. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, that seemed to be such a great way to to build upon this um, digital platform that I've made. And Scorbit has um, it's really made it easy to to get data out of games um, and so obviously the current score and, and, and leaderboards and that sort of stuff is, is a really good way to, to get more um, repeat playing people will I find that quite often people will play a good game and come up and they'll look at the scoreboards to see how well they play and oh damn I need to get another 20 million to, to beat <laughs> Ash or to, you know, to beat you know, other, other players and so they'll go back and, and pump a bunch more coins into into the game to try and beat that score. It's like, okay, well, that, that's working out well as, as a way to get re repeat uh, repeat gameplay. But, um, and the engagement factor. And the engagement factor. But it also ties in beautifully with the tournaments, um, that with um, the, the interaction between Scorebit and uh, match play. Um, that has, has made life so much easier to be able to... Um, to take the load off um, tournament directors during a tournament so that they can see at a glance, okay, yes, I can see this game is finished, I can, I've got the scores up already. Really all that you need to do is just confirm with the players that yes, they, they played in the correct order and so the scores do apply to the order that we think they do and yeah, there, there's um, far fewer um, issues in terms of, of people you know, logging people more. incorrectly yeah that's right yeah so that, that's really good um, and we're seeing more and more people actually logging in to Scorebit um, during those games as well so it's coming up with people's names I was using it yesterday it's hmm. a lot of fun and, and I, I, I registered for Scorebit ages ago but I never really got my phone out when I was playing and so on and it actually really is easy and yeah. it's, it's cool it's great good on you for that yeah, and Scorebit have, have made improvements even just in the last week or so they've come up with a big release that's made it easier to do things like if, you, if you're playing repeat games on the same machine 
Now you don't actually have to log in each time. You can set an option to say, yes, I'm going to sort of hog this game. And within about 30 seconds or so, if you start another game, yes, it just says, yep, the same player is playing. And you've got something coming up. So for the Insider Connected, you've got an event coming up in July um, 2023 that's related to the Insider Connected yeah. system? Yeah, so Stern, um, with their system, um, obviously with much deeper engagement into the game itself, it's um, even it's even more capable of tracking your performance and achievements within a game. And um, Insider Connected will often give you these sort of virtual badges or, or achievements for, for getting to certain points within a game. And they're all, Stern have also um, started creating these sort of virtual badges for competing in, in particular events and so as a way of um, promoting competitive pinball Stern are um, doing a, a fairly limited number of virtual badges for, for big tournaments worldwide and they've sort of allowed, allocated two of these badges for New Zealand tournaments um, this year and so um, Dave Peck is, is going to be um, using that for, for one of his um, big tournaments and um, between myself and, and Ken, who um, operates pitbulls at, uh, at a nearby venue, um, Lanes, a uh, Tempin Bowling Alley, um, the, the pinball lounge that he set up there, there, he's about 10 minutes walk away from here. And so um, the two of us have kind of put our heads together and, and come up with a, uh, a, a, a main tournament that will run over three days. And just with the timing that we, we chose for the dates, it also ties in very nicely with one of the regular tournaments that was already scheduled. And so we've timed it so that it will be uh, the week after Brisbane Masters. Um, so it won't conflict with that, but there will still be people you know, down this part of the world who will come down for Brisbane. And so if we're very lucky, they might choose to, to come down to Wellington as well. But it also means that the New Zealand crowd won't have to choose one or the other. They'll be able to go to both. And we've put together a, a four-day weekend. We're calling it the um, Kiwi Capital Silver Ball. And we're theming it as a as a ball, like a you know, prom or a you know, formal dance. <laughs> yeah, I like that. You know, a silver theme to the ball, but yeah. also tying in with the, the silver ball idea. And I wanted to call it the Kiwi Capital Silver Ball because, first of all, Kiwi, let people know, hey, this thing is happening in New Zealand. It's the capital city, so it means it's in Wellington. And so... The name itself is self-explanatory, mm. yes. Um, and so th th we only just sort of announced that um, just in the last week or so and already getting a bit of interest in it. And um, that will incorporate um, a... Uh, there was already scheduled to be a, um, a multi-ball maidens tournament on the Thursday night. And that's the, the Women's Social League? Yep, it's the Women's Social League that's been running for about three or four months now. And it's, it's just growing and growing and it's getting a lot of really, really good feedback. Um, so that'll be on a Thursday night, and we figured, well, if, if that's going to be here at Yox, then let's have, have something at the same time for the guys down at Lanes, and so there'll be some you know, social um, tournaments. Sound like the 1950s. Exactly. Well, it's going to be like a pre-ball in that regard. It's like, okay, before you, your, your prom or your, your, your school ball, you'd often have pre-ball parties, and so the, the girls will go to one ball and pre-ball party, and the boys can go to another pre-ball party, and so we can have separate things there. But um, the, the main event, and, and the, the the main event which is being supported by Stern with their um, virtual badge, is um, it's going to be involved. It's going to be involved two days of qualifying, 
and this will be a, a herb style qualifying so people will be able to um, keep pumping coins into the machines to try and, and you have to scan in with your insider to take part You'll in this? you have to scan in at least once during this weekend, <coughs> yeah. during this main tournament, so during the three days of either the qualifying or the finals. Mm. As long as you scan in at least once yeah. into a STEM machine, then you'll you'll earn this badge. Right, sure. And so people who want to collect the badges, yep, it'll be very easy to do, but it'll also be a nice way to get people kind of used to the idea of scanning in, and, and not just with the STEMs, but also be able, be able to do it with the um, the other games that are running Scorebit on. And... Um, so yeah, two days of, of herb style qualifying, um, best game, pump and dump, try and get the get into the top twenty four um, players, and then uh, on the Sunday we'll have a, a, a finals for those um, top twenty four. Those finals will be here at Yops, but, but the qualifying we're going to do across both venues, and so there'll be probably ten games at each venue. And you'll need to put up a score on, on all of those games. And so, you know, make sure that people get to both venues and spend you know, a decent amount of time at both places, putting a decent amount of money into the machines, and um, then have the finals here at Yops. For the people who don't make the final, um, then there'll be another series of, of casual tournaments at Lanes. And so that might be maybe a Flip Frenzy or Store Ball or Split Flipper, whatever mm. sort of you know, fun uh, tournament um, strategies we come up with. So, yeah, we hope to have um, a decent number of, of tournaments that people can enter. And um, with the, the, the two days of qualifying before the finals, um, that will um, qualify for uh, a lot more whopper points. So um, the IFPA will be um, boosting the, the number of points that um, the, the participants can potentially earn because of the nature of that um, qualifying, and so we want to um, appeal to people who want to, you know, boost their their, cool. their rankings to uh, to come down and partake in that. It's going to be fun. Now we should wrap it up pretty soon, but I just want to quickly um, talk about the collection of games that you've got. I know that it's always changing, but there's always games coming and going. Uh, when you when you opened nearly a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, there was a whole different, well, quite a different lineup to what you have now. So, talk a little bit about the, what's here at the moment. Yeah, so it's, um, to be honest, most of the games are yours at this yeah. point, I think. <laughs> Which is, but we've got them quite, but... we've got them quite well choreographed. Yeah. In terms yeah. of sort of placing and 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 the, the sort of the range. That's right. So we're at the very front of the shop, um, one of the first games that people see is is Godzilla and. It's, I think, still my favourite, in spite of what people who might be getting sick of it would say. I think it's still... It won all the awards game. last year. Hey, let's, let's be honest. Exactly, and rightfully so. And it, um, it is something that gets a lot of attention from, from young um, kids coming. in. I'm kind of surprised how many young kids are familiar with Godzilla and how many people are fans of Godzilla. And, oh, Godzilla, I want to play Godzilla. <laughs> cool, you know about Godzilla? Awesome, okay. <laughs> There's a film machine. But, but um, yeah, I've got a lineup of, of five... Um, Quite modern Sterns, um, with Spike 2, and all but one with the Stern Insider. And um, then we've also got, at the front of the shop, um, my Guns N' Roses. And Guns N' Roses, the, the band, were playing here about a month or two ago. And so, um, yeah, there'd been a, a big build-up for their tour prior to COVID. COVID hit, everything got delayed, and so um, for about a year... Um, GNR has been sitting right near the front of the shop, seeing getting quite a bit of attention because the the promotion for the upcoming concert just sort of carried on and on and on for, yeah. for years. It felt like, and so I was really piggybacking on that, and a lot of people come in 
and, and recognize it for, you know, for all the advertising. And we're very honored to have um, several members of the, the, the production crew, uh, along with the uh, along with Melissa, the, the, the keyboard player, come in and actually oh, spend cool. some time here. Yeah. They actually booked the place out and, and had the place to themselves for a while. And um, yeah, so that's done very well at, at the front of the shop. But um, right near to that is the P3, and, and that's, again, near the front of the shop because it's, it's such an interesting talking point, and, and it's the game that you know, I'm, I'm trying to sell the most of and, and, and distributor for. And so it's really good to be able to... Um, it's a really good um, talking point to get conversation started about that. But then from there, we've got some absolute classic titles, um, your, your, your Williams and your, your Belly classics, your Terminator, your, your Twilight Zone... Theatre of Magic. Um, I've got a, a Medieval Madness, which is the um, um, the, the remake that um, Chicago Gaming did. And um, what else we got? Ghostbusters. Uh, so we've got some mid two thousand yeah, Sterns, yeah. Lord of the Rings, yeah. Elvis. Some of the earlier Sterns, which um, we haven't really seen uh, around very often, and mm. it's really cool to have have those games of yours here in, in Terminator Three. Um, and even a real old classic uh, Gottlieb Joker Poker, which is um, again an interesting talking point because it's such an old game. It's actually got bells. It's actually got bells, genuine bells and chimes. And um, yeah, so when people ask, oh, you know, what's your oldest game? I can point to this saying, oh, 1978. Yeah, it's Joker only a dollar. Uh, yeah. It's only a dollar. <laughs> well, it doesn't take tokens, unfortunately. So, yeah, tokens. Let's, we haven't talked about yeah, tokens. tokens. Um, how's that working out for you? It's you've, good. You've moved to every game bar to Joker Poker is on tokens at the moment. That's right. So it took a while to to get all of the games working with the, the coin mix that, that handle tokens, um, but that's done now, and we have a platform that we can, again, build upon. And so... And amongst this long list of, of things I want to do here, one of the items is to have a, a phone app that can you, that you can use to to pay for games. And so instead of having to shove coins or tokens into the machine, just wave your phone over the top of it and, and have it um, pay for that automatically. But in order to do that, we need something that can take a, a, a digital input from a little micro board like a Raspberry Pi or an ESP32 or something like that and be able to integrate that into these old games. And so the best way to do that is through a modern coin mech that is also able to take tokens and, and, and other coins. And so getting all the games onto these modern coin mechs was a big step. But uh, once we've done that, it means we're no longer having to hand out $2 coins um, as a, as a, a um, coin exchange all the time. We can actually sell people our own custom stamped tokens. And that also means that we can discount bags of tokens Whereas it wasn't really making much sense to discount bags of $2 coins. <laughs> but uh, if we're selling our own tokens, yes, we can, we can actually yeah. offer people a bit of a deal with that. Makes much more sense. Yeah, um, so Joker Poker will go to tokens. We're just uh, working on the, uh, the, the hardware. We have to get a Dremel out and cut holes in metal plates to make it work. <laughs> but we know how to do it at we'll least. We'll get there. Um, so that's fantastic, Hamish. Hey, thank you so much for chatting with me. And I know it's been um, it's the end of a Sunday, end of a busy day. Um, bigger, I came to the opening, and this is going to launch. This podcast is going to launch on your birthday. I'm going to um, send it live on the 29th of January, which is exactly one. So, congratulations for making it um, through the what must be quite a difficult year. Um, and, and COVID has been unkind to a lot of businesses, um, but and 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 the challenges of of launching a, a business coming out of COVID must be difficult. 
Yes, but I, and in many ways I was very lucky with the timing in that when I was looking for the, the venue, um, the landlord was sitting on this place that hadn't moved for a long time and for the most part businesses were shutting down rather than opening up and so I was able to actually get quite a, a good price I felt for the venue. Um, and so, yeah, in that regard, it worked out well, and I was able to spend several months um, fitting out the place initially when uh, when it was fairly quiet in town. It was difficult, though, in terms of um, supply chains and, and actually getting hold of, of the materials that I needed to, to mount all the screens and, and all the other crazy stuff I've done here. But um, as, that, as that finally came together, it was... Um, yeah, it was, it was well worth it, but it is. I think I think people have really appreciated um, having something like this in Wellington. And one of the things I've heard quite a lot is people people saying that Wellington has really needed something like this. And it's I think it's brought a bit of excitement back to the CBD. Um, it's it's given people a reason to to come into the town and and spend an afternoon doing one thing in town, whereas um, you know, with everything so many places shutting down it seems that all those entertainment options were, were disappearing so I've kind of deliberately tried to buck that trend and um, I, I feel that I've been very lucky in that there haven't been any more significant waves of, of, of illness that have you know caused us to be locked down again um, and so yeah I've been able to open at just the right time when things were opening up again and and, and ride that wave of, of people coming back into town and, and encouraging people to come back into town. Mm. So, That's great. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Hamish. <laughs> One year, and uh, it's been a great achievement what you've created here, what you've built. And come and enjoy the arcade. Um, come and, what, what I love about, um, I see people come and get really intimate with a game, like they get to know a machine, they get deep into the game, they want to get to the wizard mode, mm. and this is a lovely space to do it in yeah. because you're not kind of, you're not competing with other things for um, you know your t- your attention. Yeah. And I want to say one more thing in that regard mm. is um, is the way that people play if, when the game is on free play. Like when we have when we hire out the venue and put all the games on free play, then, then people often will spend 20, 30 minutes just on one game playing you know, many many games on it just to try and get into that one achievement or whatever it is that they're, they're trying to aim for. And that's something I'm going to try and recreate with this phone app. The mm. idea being that once we go to something that's an app based, I can then very easily sell people periods time. of time, time based, free play time, time by sure. the hour, yeah, um, or and or have credits loaded up on the phone. So you could do it either way. But um, I really want people to to experience free play pinball because it does change the way that people play and, and approach and, and the whole approach to the game as opposed to constantly feeling, oh, should I just drain that ball? There goes, you know, there one goes third of my dollar, two dollars. Another two dollars, yeah. Exactly. Yep. So yep. if you're not worried about that anymore, you think, oh, I can just spend two or three games just practicing that left flipper up that ramp and, and ignore everything else, just mm. try and nail that shot. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. yeah, so that's something that I want people to experience as well, and I think that will draw people further into the games and, and get them more addicted and eventually when they do want to buy a machine to have at home they're going to know that the best place to go is the old pinball shop yeah. at 18a bond street in central wellington excellent hey, it's been lovely to chat thank you for making time for this and um yeah let's close it off there thank you thank you simon cheers bye-bye